You sending the whoop? Shit, that's all you had to say. Get away from her, you bitch. Banana. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. You're not even interesting enough to make me sick. It's only an island if you look at it from the water. I'm your density. You think I'm gorgeous? You want to kiss? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sending the Wolf. My name is Clark Wolf. Thank you so much for joining me. I have such an incredible episode for you today. Um, somebody finally picked The Exorcist. Yay! Um, I am thrilled. Alexander O'Philippe is my guest. He is the director of 7852 Hitchcock Shower Scene, Doc of the Dead, The People versus George Lucas, uh, and many, many others. He he is um, a person that I met at, the, at Fantastic Fest, actually, last year in 2017, where his documentary, 7852, was playing and um, we hit it off and became friends and have been friends ever since and um, and so it was a treat for me to to welcome him to the podcast and um, as you will hear in this episode this is a this is a really unique kind of special episode so Alexander is working on, as you'll hear in the conversation, four documentary features, uh, among other projects, all at once, which is, I don't know how he and his team do it, but I think he's having the time of his life. Um, and and so recently, through, through Chance Meeting, uh, Alexander befriended director William Friedkin, and uh, they got to talking, and what came from that were three days of recorded interviews with William Friedkin discussing his classic film, The Exorcist. And um, if you guys have listened to me talk about film in general, genre film specifically, you know that uh, The Exorcist is one of my absolute favorites. It's in my top five. Um, but, you know, William Friedkin has had, like, a really interesting relationship with this movie. And um, what's amazing for me and what's amazing for us as a part of this show, if you listen to the show or if you record this show, uh, which I do, or work on this show, which is just me and Folsom uh, at this point, but... Um, you know, Alexander can speak about The Exorcist um, on behalf of William Friedkin because um, they are working on something together, specifically focusing on this film. So what we get throughout this conversation, in addition to Alexander's, um, you know, thoughts and opinions on the movie itself, are, are true accounts and recollections and facts and stories that come straight from uh, the great William Friedkin himself. Um, uh, anytime I talk to Alexander, I learn so much, um, and, and he and I don't always see eye to eye on things specifically vertigo um but uh, but we we do have a lot of similar passions and opinions and so um when we finally found time for him to come on as i mentioned just a moment ago he is a busy busy man um and he picked the exorcist i was so excited i aside from william friedkin himself i don't think there is a better person that uh could have come on the show talking about this movie and we talk about a lot of things we talk about william Friedkin in general. I, if you know anything about me, you know that I love listening to him speak. I think he is a fascinating man. I think he's a very intelligent man. I think he's a passionate, um, you know, excited, uh, really unique person. And, you know, I mentioned in the podcast, but it is true. I, I feel like he is a person who, you know, whether it's with Bug or whether it's um, 
with something like Killer Joe, I think that he has not lost his bite. And I really, really love that somebody who throughout his filmmaking has just always gone for it, um, has has not slowed down in recent years. Um, so we talk about that. We talk about, you know, uh, the obviously the first time that we saw The Exorcist. I think everybody who has seen the movie nine times out of ten has a story. Um, and, and we get into that idea of... Um, is the exorcist a horror movie this is this is you know it's a it's an interesting conversation because i certainly as a genre fan i'm always losing my mind on social media anytime a horror film comes out that is not only critically acclaimed but uh, the fans love like a quiet place or it or the witch or you name it and and people always say well it's not really a horror movie it's more of a thriller or it's more of a coming of age story and it's just like what are you talking about these are horror movies and just because they don't follow a stock formula of um you know gratuitous violence or sex or whatever the case may be and they show you characters that you like and there are laughs and and it's an actual well-rounded movie but it is a horror movie and it is scary you know don't tell me don't take that away from me that said you know Friedkin has always said that his approach to the material of the exorcist was was you know a, a more of a straight drama um and so so with that in mind um and knowing that that's that's Mr. Friedkin's opinion. Um, I rewatched the movie thinking about that. And uh, so Alexander and I talk about that. And we talk about, you know, Friedkin uh, as a man and his process and the making of the movie. And I just, I think it's going to be a really special treat. Um, and I'm, I'm super proud and excited of this episode. Um, and before we get to the episode, I wanted to say real fast, um, I wanted to say a big thank you for, for all of your kind wishes. Um, it was my birthday last week, and um, I you guys made me feel like the most shiny, special gal in, in the world. So thank you for that. Um, so yeah, here is the episode with Alexander O. Philippe talking about William Friedkin's classic, The Exorcist. <laughs> There's going to be a test at the end. Okay. I'm going to ask you about all the sequels. I know. I, I'm just uh, great. <laughs> awesome. I am not going to ask you about the sequels. Um, okay. Well, I will say, um, I just start. I just Instagrammed this because we're recording on Easter Sunday, which I love, mm -hmm. which was not intentional. Um, <laughs> just sort of worked out that way. Uh, but uh, but I what I said in my on the Instagrams was. Um, Somebody finally picked The Exorcist. Mm. I'm so excited you picked The Exorcist. Um, but as we've talked about many times before, getting you ready to come on to the podcast, you know, some people might have expected you to pick a Hitchcock movie, considering right. the documentary. So I guess let's start by talking about, um, and I, by the way, this is like, Super informal, so sure. you'll get a grand, fabulous introduction uh, in in the intro, in the in the pre-recorded intro. Um, but so let's start by talking about uh, why you picked The Exorcist. Well, I'm working on something with my company, Exhibited Pictures. Mm -hmm. uh, well, we're actually working on four uh, feature docs right now. I don't know is, how you're doing. I it. don't either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. But we're doing it, and. Um, uh, Basically, serendipitously uh, met William Friedkin at the Sidges Film Festival in Spain, where he was being honored. Uh, Which for, is a genre film festival. Yeah, it's the biggest in the world. Mm -hmm. I think it brings, it's like the Comic Con of I've never been and I want to go Fantastic so film festivals. Yeah, it's incredible. You should go. And, um, and uh, yeah, it was it was an incredible encounter, which, which basically led to a lunch in Los Angeles. And, now three full days of, of interviews. Uh, there's going to be a, a fourth day coming up in, in May. And um, yeah, so we're doing something on The Exorcist. I can't quite say uh, what it's going to be, but mm -hmm. I, think it's, I think it's safe to say it's going to be very, very different from uh, anything that's been done to date. That so. Anything that you've done before? Anything that has been done on The Exorcist? Both. 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 Okay. I think it's going to be really a very... Um, uh, different kind of portrait, mm -hmm. uh, not just uh, on 
you know, not just a look at The Exorcist, but really a portrait, portrait of William Friedkin as a, as a filmmaker and as an just extraordinary human, uh, somebody that I just really have. I mean, I, I, I have so much admiration for him uh, and for what he is, you know, what he's done. But he's also an, a, just a wonderful man. Uh, and the way he thinks and thinks about movies and thinks about art in general, uh, I mean, you know, the film is about The Exorcist, but we talked a lot about about painting, about classical music, about, you know, opera, about Citizen Kane, about 2001, about The Third Man, about all these things that you don't necessarily associate with The Exorcist. But, sure. Uh, that's, that's what really excites me. Well, you know. you know, I had the opportunity. So I've never met William Friedkin in person, uh, but I have seen him give a Q&A or two. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I specifically wanted to go to a screening of Killer Joe yeah. um, when it was on its first release um, because he was going to be doing Q&A. And sure. I was so interested, you know, the idea that uh, I love the movie Bug um, mm-hmm. and the idea that he was adapting another one of Tracy Lutz's plays and especially one that's so controversial. Mm. And the cast was so in of Killer Joe, the film. Oh, it's incredible. It's so good. It's and so, good. so I was endlessly curious. And and what was cool, and we've I've told you this over lunch or over breakfast one time, but for me, what I loved about listening to him talk, aside from the fact that he's a magnetic speaker oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and endlessly fascinating and loves to talk, which I appreciate because he has stories that are fascinating for days. But something he said that I thought was really cool with respect to Killer Joe was, you know, the movie got an NC-17 rating and mm. he actively did not want to trim it. Uh, to, to get the R, he he said very specifically, I made a movie for adults, and this yeah. is a movie for adults, and I I have no problem saying that. And I thought mm-hmm. that is a really really cool stance to take, and to make a movie with so much bite mm-hmm. at his age at, mm-hmm. at this point in his career, mm-hmm. I just thought was really neat. Yeah, no, I mean I don't think he's lost any of that bite. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's really and, you know, he hasn't um, th- that's really what's interesting is he hasn't made that many movies over the course of his career. Right. You know, and as he's told me, I think he really for him, it's, um, uh, you know, he needs to find material that he can just uh, immediately sort of visualize as a movie. And, and, you know, but he's also very busy doing opera. Mm-hmm. He's directed a lot of opera uh, over the years. Um, but, uh, you know, his body of work is, is pretty pretty phenomenal yeah it's it's amazing so i have a very uh i have a very specific story about the first time i saw the exorcist Ah. but i want to ask you the first time can you remember the first time that you saw the exorcist i think i was about i was about 15 okay i think you know i i've been uh, I, mean, I definitely was a huge, you know, sort of horror movie buff, you know, when I was when I was young. Uh, I mean, you know, even like watching, you know, Scanners or Night of the Living Dead when I was like six, seven, you know, just very, very young. The Exorcist came a little bit later. I, I remember very distinctly my mom. Um, you know, she, had, she had seen it, you know, before I was born. I was actually born during the filming of the Exorcist. Oh, yeah. Um, and I actually, I was recently at the Margaret Herrick Library, and you know, was looking at all the, you know, the collections that you know, I'm starting to dig through all the stuff for this project that shall not be named that we're working on. <laughs> but uh, uh, and I actually found the what what they were filming on the day that I was born. Oh. So uh, and it's not it's not a you know it's not one of the big scenes, but it's this moment when. When Karis is outside, is talking to Chris outside her home, and um, you know he's 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 recorded Reagan. Mm-hmm. He's going to kind of try and figure out what you know what she says, mm-hmm. what she said. So um, so yeah, as I was born on uh, as they were <laughs> as they were shooting that, um, but uh, but yeah. So my my I remember my mom telling me how. Uh, you know, she couldn't sleep for for like a week. Mm-hmm. You know, after after watching it in the theater, she was really really freaked out. You know, by by that film. Um, and um, and then you know, fifteen years later or so, I watched it. I actually waited quite a bit because I think I was really terrified by the idea that mm-hmm. 
you know, my, my mom had been so terrified by it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's one of those movies. It doesn't matter whether you're, you have faith, you know, or if you're of, of a certain faith or, or not, whether you're agnostic or atheist or whatever you may be, it is one of those movies that will shake you to your core. Yeah. That, that was my experience as well. I saw it as a, I was about 12 and it was Halloween night and I went to my best girlfriend's house and she and her mom loved horror, love horror movies. And I was always, I always loved them too, but was too scared. I was like very, I was afraid. I would always start to watch and then I would get too scared. And, um, I remember on the night of this sleepover, we watched Carrie, uh, and then the next morning, cause we didn't go to school the next morning, we, uh, we watched the exorcist And it was so interesting because it was broad daylight. It was, you know, it was like not, it it was, it was the complete opposite setting you would think for being, you know, watching this movie and, and having it have such effect, but it, it scared me so badly. And I remember I covered my eyes, but I could still hear everything Mm -hmm. and it was almost worse being able to have like that one glimpse of something that was so scary and then covering your eyes and then hearing it play out and making it up yourself. You know what I mean? It it just like, it was, and and I did not, no exaggeration, I did not sleep for a year after that. Well, you know, what's really interesting is that, is that, you know, he doesn't see The Exorcist as a horror movie. Yes. Uh, I think he accepts the fact that it's a horror film because, that's how you know people view it, but you know he really sees it as a spiritual film. Yes, um, which which it is, but it's it's certainly very very scary. You know, it's yes. a terrifying film. So I guess it qualifies. It certainly qualifies as horror. Well, you know. and you know you and you had mentioned that, and he had mentioned that. I mean, I've heard mm-hmm. him say that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I watched it this last time as I was writing things down with that in mind. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. I'm going to, I know I know this movie, I know what I think about this movie, but I'm going to watch this and really watch it through the lens of, is this a horror movie? And, uh, and what I decided was that, yes, it is. Um, <laughs> All right, it's decided. I, it is a horror film. I, I decided. So you can tell, you can tell Billy, your friend, yes. that I have decided. <laughs> okay. Um, no, but I, I did, you know, I truly, like, you know, I am a genre fan and, and talk a lot about genre, you know, in my work in, in general. And um, and so I was like, okay, you know, at first there are no scares, right? It's like mm-hmm. scary things are happening, mm-hmm. violent, uh, horrifying things are happening. But if you treat it in your mind as a matter of fact thing, like, okay, this is happening and it happens to be scary, that doesn't necessarily constitute it being a horror movie, right. in my opinion. Right. But then... <laughs> there, there are some, I mean, there are absolutely, you know, some, some horror tropes, like for instance, um, with Chris, you know, in the attic with the rats and the candle, you know, spurring sure. out or sure. in later editions, um, you know, the, the face of the demon sort of appearing in, mm. in certain places and using that filmmaking technique mm. to, put that in the audience mind but i would argue it serves as a scare in the traditional horror mm-hmm. sense oh interesting but this is this is my take on it yeah yeah no no no. and i and you know i but again i i i don't think he would even debate the fact mm. that it's a horror film i think he accepts that i think that when he was making it you know i don't think that that was there was certainly you know that wasn't the impulse sure you know let's go make a horror film right you know, he just he was really he was really so affected by the book that he wanted to, you know, he knew instantly that, uh, you know, he was the right guy for it. So even though there were four other directors that, the you know, Warner Brothers wanted at the time. So it was it was really thanks to William Blatty, who was producer mm-hmm. and who actually had ultimately the, the decision on who was going to direct. It was thanks to Blatty that he got the gig. And uh, and certainly the Oscar for French Connection didn't hurt. Didn't hurt his yes. chances. It was very serendipitous at the time. Yeah. Well, before before he really Friedkin really made a splash in um, narrative. He he was a documentarian. Right. And so right. I wanted to ask you about that specifically. You know, as somebody who is a documentary filmmaker, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you when you not only when you have worked with him or spoken to him, but just in general, when you look at a film like this, because I would argue one of the things that makes 
makes this movie so um, so cool is that it is so matter of fact. It is so mm-hmm. like you know, well, we're gonna we're it's it's almost pulling from that documentary background in a way. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. No. I mean, I think there's definitely, and we actually talked about that during our our interviews. You know, he has this technique called uh, induced documentary filmmaking, which uh, you know, and he did that a lot in in French Connection. This idea that he would just basically you know, talk to his actors and figure out sort of where things are going to happen, but keep it very vague and and then pull in his, you know, cinematographer and say, okay, well, this is roughly what's going to happen, but you're gonna you're gonna shoot and you're gonna keep shooting and you have to capture the action. So so th- th- it's th- this idea that he would throw in you know his his cinematographer into the the arena yeah. of the film not exactly knowing how things are going to unfold um it sort of it it really forces that that documentary look you know the he you know he has to look for you know the the juice as it mm-hmm. were you know the action um but yeah i think i think you can definitely you definitely get that feel um in in the exorcist even though a lot of it has been you know really really rehearsed and and um you know freaking doesn't like to do many takes you know he usually will go with with the one take uh there are exceptions uh there's this one you know uh line from uh, father marin max von Sydow, uh where you know the ceiling is sort of cracking mm-hmm. you know uh and he just couldn't deliver it the way you know he had ordered six ceilings and they went oh. through all six and that didn't work so ultimately they brought in another six wow and that still didn't work huh you know and uh he was just really having just really having a hard time you know with with that with that line. Do you remember the line? I don't remember it the line. Was, the uh, it wasn't the power of Christ compels you um, off the top of my head. I, yeah, I don't, I rem- I don't I remember the line. Um, that's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's because, you know, he he doesn't... Um, he he doesn't believe you know mm. uh he's not a believer and he really had a hard time oh, sort of that's interesting yeah the, so the actor max the actor max yeah really had had trouble with sort of the delivery of that, of that line based on that uh <sighs> freaking has a different idea on it mm-hmm. uh because he wanted him to essentially sh- shout and he felt that max was you know is a very nuanced actor mm-hmm. um actually william freaking doesn't like you know, actors who shout. He didn't have great things to say about the uh, Gary Oldman, uh, 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 Winston Churchill movie, <laughs> which which he felt was was too over the top. Yeah. But he said in this particular instance, he really wanted him to deliver the line forcefully, and um, and I think he felt that that he just didn't want to do it. Yeah. That way, you know. So ultimately, he got you know he got the delivery he wanted, but I think he. They went through like twelve different wow. ceilings to get, wow. to get that. So, but that's very unusual, yeah. uh, you know, for William Friedkin in terms of his process. Usually, he will not go through that that many takes. You know, he's the he's the uh, opposite of like William Wyler, right? You know, for instance, or Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, that's so. Friedkin has a documentary coming out about a priest. Yeah. Um, and Friedkin has talked about, um, you know, I, I've listened to, I've re- done some reading of his, I just find him such a compelling person and, uh, and I've listened to him talk before. Um, but I, I'm endlessly curious about the idea of this faith um, and, and how, to be quite honest with you, I don't think you need a certain faith. Mm-hmm. as you were saying, um, to to fully experience this film. Because for me, so I talk about this with genre all the time, and I think The Exorcist is almost a perfect example. I feel like the movie, so when it comes to being a horror fan, most people do not say they like horror movies, right? right. Um, and the ones that cross over and become cultural phenomenons, whether it is The Exorcist or The Shining or Rosemary's Baby or even The Conjuring as of more recently, mm-hmm. um, I think at the end of the day, they're all family melodramas first Mm -hmm. and then scary stuff happens to be going on you know and that's all the more terrifying um and with this movie 
the more I watch it, because I'll be honest with you, this movie, sca- it shook me so much as a young person that it it almost became an obsession for a little while. Like, as I got a little older, the idea that, like, okay, can I watch it again? Can I get through it? Why did this scare me so badly as as a non-Catholic or Christian person? Why did this get to me? I have to understand, essentially. Mm -hmm. And as of now, as an adult, I've seen this movie... 1,000 times probably. Um, but but to me, that is my answer, is uh, in addition to the incredible technique of filmmaking, right? Because in addition to the great makeup and the horrifying scenarios and the great sound and, all, and acting, um, I think it's because it's a family story that pretty much anyone could potentially identify with. A single mother, a young girl, you know, these two, uh, and then you have Karis and you have his mother. Like there are so many different versions of family depicted in this movie that I feel like that, is the key. Yeah, no, and and I think to me you have to sort of point to the complexity of the narrative of yeah. the exorcist because what's really interesting is that you have you know the the, the central character certainly is is Reagan, right? I mean the the, the story sort of everybody sort of revolves around the character yes. well and you know the demon inside of course. Um It's okay. Oh, it's you're, okay. such, you're such a filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> Should we wait I for just, the plane? Waiting I, for the plane. I live by the Burbank Airport. If oh, we did, okay. we'd, we'd, be, we'd stop every five, every eight to ten minutes. Fair enough. But thank you for for asking. <laughs> so, um, uh, but the narrative and revolving but then, around right. But then, but then, you know, if when you start asking the question of. Uh, you know, because I, th- I I think you really need to break it down in terms of central character, main character, protagonist, antagonist, right? Mm-hmm. So the protagonist really is actually Pazuzu. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the antagonist trying to stop uh, the protagonist are everybody else. Oh, that's interesting. You know, that's a fun so take. you know, there's that. But then then in terms of the main character of the story, well, this is where it gets really complex because you can say. You know whose story? You know whose whose point of view are we experiencing this story from? Well, you know, on a certain extent, yeah, you you you. Of course, you're you know with Reagan, but mm-hmm. you're also with Chris. You're also with Marin. You're also with Karis. You're also with Kinderman, and all of these characters, in in their own way, are also the main character. It's mm-hmm. a mul- multiple point of view story, and each of these characters' journey is really poignant. You get to experience what is happening from the perspective of, of a mother who is completely destroyed and heartbroken by what's going on. And from the perspective of, of Kinderman, who is, you know, who, who, who tries to tell her that he has a hunch that it is his, you know, her, her daughter mm-hmm. who killed Burke, but who doesn't have the heart to tell her. Right. And, and then you go through the whole guilt of Karis, you know, with with his mother, and the journey of of Marin, who is brought back, who had this encounter in Iraq with this demon, and you know, who now is coming back to try and, and vanquish that that demon. So, uh, so it's it's so complex, narratively speaking, that you get to experience it from all these characters' points points of view. That that um, yeah, it's how can it not affect you somehow? Right. You know. It's great. Why do you think that, um, I would argue that no film that has um, an exorcism uh, subplot or through line or, you know, possession, demonic possession, let's say. Mm. Um, I would argue nothing has come close to touching this movie. Now, I know Apples and Oranges, there are different kinds of possession. There are different kinds of stories. You know, a lot of people like Scott Derrickson's movie Exorcism of Emily Rose because it's mostly a legal drama, essentially, with this exorcism in the background. I very much like the movie The Last Exorcism, uh, which is found footage, and it's sort Mm. of like debunking debunking once and for all and then the priest discovers oh shit this is actually real um but why do you think or do you think that another that that this movie however 40 50 years later still can't quite be touched i i mean to me it's it's funny because it it's it's like in many ways it's like psycho yeah in the way that you know here's a movie that comes in and literally creates a new subgenre but kills the subgenre by 
virtue of its own existence. Like Jaws, it's like, too, yeah, I would say. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's like, boom, here I am. You're not going to top me. It's all downhill from there. Yeah. And, you know, I... I I mean, I've I've been very vocal about this. I'm like, even though I've spent, you know, what, three years working on the shower scene, <laughs> uh, I am not really a fan of the slasher subgenre. Sure. But Psycho is is an extraordinary transcendent movie on on every possible level. But you know, to to me, to me, once you've watched Psycho, I just don't, I just, I don't seek out mm-hmm. slasher films. Uh, same with The Exorcist. I think that movie is so incredibly powerful. That, you know, I've seen a couple, but it's, you know, it, it doesn't, uh, to me, it doesn't come close. And I don't know what else there is to bring, really, to the table totally. in terms of that. Because the, the, all the emotion that you need to feel about this and all the complexity that, that you need to experience or think about is there. Yeah. You know? There's a movie, oh gosh, what is it called? My friend Chris Borelli wrote it or is a credited writer on it. And it's an exorcism movie. What is it called? Well, either way, and it's got Michael Pena in it. Oh, rats. I'll think of it. But uh, anyway, you know what I'm talking about? And it's it's like a the Vatican tapes. That's what it's called. Oh, I have not seen that Yes. One. Well, it's not. Even I think Chris would probably say it's not a great film. Um, uh, but one thing... So, spoiler for the Vatican tapes, okay, spoiler alert, if you're going to be watching it. I'm sorry, Chris, for spoiling the movie, but I think you'll appreciate what I'm about to say. Um, The thing that is so cool about that movie, uh, and it is literally just the ending, um, is that you find out that the exorcism, exorcism didn't work. Mm. And the girl who is possessed, and she's a young woman, uh, gets out and goes on and becomes a televangelist. And she is essentially preaching to the world and has found a following. And she is the devil. She she's and and it's like and then that's the end of the movie, you know, so basically all of that happens in like three minutes. But I was like, okay, now that's interesting. That's something that I have not seen in this subgenre. Right. The idea of she's she went the devil wins and goes out there. And and I was like, preaches and preaches. Exactly. And and amasses a following. And I was like, touche, Vatican tapes. (laughs) Very good job. Um, But but yeah, aside from honestly, and I will say the exorcist, the exorcist, the TV show, um, I like a lot of what uh, what he did with that. uh, Jeremy uh, did with that. But, you know, ultimately, it's just it's it's doing what this film and this novel are trying to do. I think having conversations about human relationships with a supernatural threat um, at the end of the day. And, right. but yeah, it's, I, it's untouchable. Yeah. There's only so many variations. I think that you can, I mean, you know, again, there's only so many variations of, you know, slashing a naked woman in the sure. shower or in a private space, you know, I mean, that's, that's just the bottom line. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, have you ever read the novel? <laughs> I did, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, yeah, I yeah. love the book and I wanted, it's so great. I wanted to ask, um, you know, in the, the, I actually think the film is a great adaptation of this book. Um, I yeah. think it's very close in a lot of ways. It's not verbatim, but it's it's pretty pretty close, um, with the one exception of uh, of the fact that I feel like in the novel William Peter Blatty really wants the audience to um, or the reader to wonder. Is she possessed or is this a psychological condition? I feel like the novel goes back and forth a little bit more and plays with you a little bit more. But I feel like the movie makes a very clear decision. Yes, they have that conversation a handful of times. It must be something else, whatever. But I think at the end of the day, you believe essentially that that she is possessed and there's not really much of a question. Um, do you have any thoughts on that or? Yeah, no, that, 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 that's very true. Um, uh, you know, speaking about the, the greatness of the film as, you know, versus the novel, um, I should tell you that, that in, um, uh, William Friedkin's personal copy of the novel, which he actually fully annotated, which became his sort of working copy of, of the script, you know, um, after the first draft of the screenplay, which Blady had written and you know Friedkin essentially rejected, there is an inscription 
which I'm going to read to you. Okay. <laughs> it says to Billy, the first and only director who ever made a far better film than the book. Indeed, there is only one, and it's you. With great love and gratitude, Bill. That's sweet. And that is signed December 26, 1973, E-Day, which wow. was the day of the release yeah. of the film. Um, but, you know, uh, yes, no, I mean, we actually talked about this, and, and, and you know, William Friedkin felt that, uh, you know, it, it was pretty clear, especially with the title, yes. that, you know, people would not have a whole lot of patience going through uh i mean it is still a slow burn kind sure. of movie you know but i think i think he realized that audiences in theaters would have only so much patience going through medical tests you know knowing that that an actual exorcism was <laughs> was around the corner right you know which 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 pretty much makes sense yeah i think. So, I, I would yeah. agree i think for me i'm granted i have not read a lot of books um i should probably read more but i do think that the exorcist and um and The Princess Bride are the two most vivid examples I can think of, of movies that truly capture, uh, to use uh, William Goldman, uh, Princess Bride quote, the best parts, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and, and really streamline the narrative and yeah. really take, it's not even the essence, it's like they really take the novel and they put it up on the screen, yeah. and then once you see the film, when you go back and you read the novel, it's honestly just like the director's cut in a way, like there's more, it, sure. it, it fits so perfectly. Um, sure. I feel that, yeah, I feel very strongly that way about The Exorcist and about Princess Bride, but those are the only two I can really mm-hmm. think of that are, that are, because you know, like I just finished rereading The Shining, and I mean, famously, The Shining is, the film is very little like the book. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they've pulled a handful of things, but ultimately they're very different entities. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky thing making an adaptation. It is. And especially of such a, because the book was a big hit. Um, so I, I'd throw in uh, Apocalypse Now. Oh, okay. Which you know, I mean, you know, uh, Heart of Darkness is yes. is an uh, extraordinary novel, but I, for my money, the the movie is still superior. Interesting. It, it, it's still you know it goes deeper, and I mean, of course, you know, you look at that extraordinary soliloquy, yeah, you know, yeah. like Kurtz, uh, and the way it's it's shot, and you know, Brando. I mean. It's 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 such a chilling, amazing performance. Yeah. As well. So yeah. I, yeah. There's there's a couple of really great ones, and that's a note that I had written down was essentially like a great adaptation of a great novel, um, which is I believe mm. is true. Um, so one thing that I just very superficially wanted to ask you about because <laughs> okay. this is very silly, but so once I um, oh, when I was younger, I sort of dove into the sequels of the movie. Um, I like. Um, the Exorcist 3 for different reasons um, it's a very different kind of movie uh, mm-hmm. but The Exorcist 2 I think is very bad um, but that being said there was something that stood out to me about The Exorcist 2 and it's that they actually verbalize the demon Pazuzu they actually say the demon's name mm-hmm. um, whereas they don't say it in the film um, in, in the first film I because and the they don't see, I don't even remember that. No, really, they yeah. don't. The word Pazuzu is not uttered. No, huh? they, it isn't. And the reason that that stands out to me is because I remember the first time I saw The Exorcist two, and someone in a very creepy voice said Pazuzu. I laughed because it sounds ridiculous to me. The word Pazuzu is very silly. Um, now I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> and then so I, but but I, it's all over the novel. You mm-hmm. can read the, the name mm-hmm. of the demon in the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I just, again, superficially wanted to bring that up. The idea of actually having to articulate, you can put something on a page yeah. that is, you know, grotesque or exciting or bizarre. It, it, again, to use The Shining as an example, these hedge animals in The Shining, these mm-hmm. topiaries, to actually bring that on screen might be slightly ridiculous if giant uh, <laughs> leaf-covered Lions are running around, and you're like, uh, "How I mean, is that?" But I don't know. Oh, you've got a guy in a bear suit, you oh, know? Sure. 
as, but that looks like that gets covered in leaves though well, at the end of the day it's a topiary it's a, it is yeah, yeah so so it's like i just personally cannot visualize an example or, or um uh, a, a world where watching a man in a topiary suit chase around somebody could ever be scary but when you read it in the novel it, it's not distracting so right. That's I, I just wanted to ask you about like mm -hmm. like the actual verbalization of the word of the demon. Do you think that like did that ever cross your does it cross your mind as a fan or knowing what you know now the idea that if you had to actually say the word like would it take the scary out of it? No, see, actually, I think it's I mean it's it's interesting that you mentioned that because I I I I I don't remember the word not being in the film. It's almost like I associate it so much with it. To me, the word Pazuzu is actually scary. Yeah. It's it's a really it it's a great sort of demon name. Uh, Do you think it's scary because you know what the name means? It it feels like an ancient. Mm. To me, it feels like an ancient demon name. You know, it's one of those like things. Methuselah. There you go. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> sure, let's do that. Uh, but it's like, you know, I, I don't know. No, it's, it's it doesn't strike me as funny at all. Interesting. But that's, you know. And also, I mean, I was go. a kid. I was maybe 15 when I saw, when you know, so maybe. But I, I just, that's something that's always stood out to me. Um, and now, yeah. they don't say the name, but you see the talisman. So you see the visual of yes. what this demon, meaning not the face that, like, cuts in and out, but sure. the old you know and so sure. i think in 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 lieu of someone um especially with an you know english dialect saying it yeah. uh, you see that talisman and that i think is with the communication yeah and then you see the statue of course totally. you yes. know the the huge uh statue that he faces and it will you know they'll come back in in yeah. the room in reagan's room you know later on as well so yeah so the presence is definitely there i like yeah. the I, I like the stuff you know the the thing the stuff in iraq is really um I oh think yeah people forget about it or i think because it, it's not the sexy part it's the um it's the i would argue intellectual part mm -hmm. um but what I, one thing that struck me this time was the opening in iraq and I think you could assume um, these that that and this land and um, your imagery, your screen being filled with non-Christian people, mm -hmm. and the idea that this uh, this demonic presence that clearly holds a lot of weight for for Catholic people mm -hmm. um, is 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 sort of infiltrating. I don't know. I just it it struck me this time, but I don't. Well, yeah, no. I mean, it's brilliant. I I, I mean, I. Sp an entire day talking about the prologue with with William Friedkin. I mean, that's how much there is to talk about, yeah. you know, there. Uh, and it's, um, I mean, to me, it 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 instantly creates this idea that that you're you're dealing with a demon that transcends religion. Yes, it's it's an ancient entity uh, that is not about religion. And that is really about all of us. And and I think that's to me actually that prologue is very important yeah. because it it uh, makes it clear that this is not a movie that is about Catholicism, you know. And, and I mean, yeah, you can call him Satan, you can call him Pazuzu. It's all the, you know, it's yeah. it's uh, it's about that uh, that force, you know, and um, and it's a powerful one. For sure, know. something yeah. I wrote down was faith versus religion. Yeah. And I think that, would you say, do you mm. feel like this movie is, I mean, as you just said, not necessarily about a religion or religion itself, mm -hmm. but the concept of, I feel like faith is the more important thing. And I feel like for Friedkin, he's talked a lot about faith mm. af before, you know, since making this film. Oh, well, I mean, as, as he will tell you that uh, everything boils down to the mystery of faith or the mystery of fate. Mm. And so there you go. Hmm. Those are the two key words, I think, for, for William Friedkin. So, yeah, sure, I, absolutely, it's about faith. And it's, I mean, I, I think if you look at Karis, um, yes. you know, and the struggle, he's, he's, he struggles with that a lot, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, especially with what's happening with his mother and he even loses faith in himself, Oh, you know. the the scene in the the during the exorcism scenes when he's just when Karis is looking he's just he can't even speak he's just watching yeah essentially those are some of my favorite 
it's such a good choice and it's yes. so clear the way he plays it um, that it's almost terrifying to see this physically strong, yeah. uh, psychologically capable man just sort of dumbfounded by what is happening in front of him. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, uh, for, for my money, he's the most interesting character of, of all, you know, and, and again, you know, if you want to talk about point of view, you know, uh, there's, there's one dream sequence in the film and it's from his point of view. Yeah. It's, it's, it's brilliant, 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 uh, dream sequence. Um, I mean, it's everything in the movie sort of pushes his buttons, you know, and, uh, you know, and then you can go to the ending, which is the ending is so, well, the climax, really, yeah. of the piece, you know, it's so really complex what, what is happening. And I think William Friedkin feels in, some, in, in certain ways that he didn't, um, that it's not clear. That what is not clear? That, you know, what, what actually happens okay. uh, with Reagan and Karis. It seems clear to me what happens, but, but it's not clear to him. I, I don't think he feels like he fully delivered the ending but yet the ending speaks speaks to everybody there's uh there's something very mysterious about it you know i i think that i think he summons the demon inside mm-hmm. so that he can you know in in that sort of split second save her and then throws himself out the window to to kill the demon mm-hmm. but apparently that's not how most audiences um view the film well how do most audiences view the film i I think they're confused i think there's a lot of confusion about it i mean that's what he's he's actually told me you know he gets um um i think there there was a fair amount of criticism about that i mean do you view it that way well uh, yeah i always so i always interpreted it that way but as upon more recent viewings um you can so what's cool about now i will say i haven't watched the theatrical release in a while um i the version you never saw or whatever that has the extra little little bits in I, that's not my favorite version i prefer the original okay personally. and w- any particular reason yeah i i think that the things that he added and actually you know he's also told me this that that a lot of the things he added was really to please william Blatty. oh yeah because you know i mean he felt obviously Blatty has you know clearly um plays a played a huge role yeah. in in this film you know being in the first place and there were certain elements that he he missed and wanted to bring back and so um i, I think it was partly that mm-hmm. and i think there were certain you know I, he also wanted to bring in more subliminal images yes. which was something that he also uh, that he he thought were very effective but you know to me to me i don't know it it doesn't um it doesn't add anything uh truly i think worthwhile Mm -hmm. you know the the spider walk the the infamous spider walk um what i don't like about this i mean sure it's a shocking scene Mm -hmm. but it takes her out of that sort of cocoon of the bedroom which to me is the abyss and i think that's where the demon resides and the moment you sort of pull that demon out of it it I think it deludes this idea because uh, then the demon could sort of be anywhere. But I like this idea that they have to go into the abyss every single time and they fail and they get get rejected and they have to go back and try to conquer again and again and again, you know. Uh, and, I, and I love the simplicity of that, mm-hmm. that it's, a, it's an abyss that you can access at any given time yeah and and try and conquer the demon i mean that's kind of the name of the game go and try to conquer the demon or else leave Mm -hmm. you know um so yeah i mean no uh, again that's that's my take on it but you know well i would say for me so something that i've always loved i think i might have mentioned this to you before and it's it's pretty much the only problem that i had with the tv show um uh, which does play with the McNeil um, mythology is that for me the most in, in, one of the most interesting characters is Chris McNeil because oh, yeah. the concept like if I ever made if somebody ever said okay Clark we're gonna we need to do another Exorcist movie based on William Friedkin's uh, film and William Peter Blatty's novel what do you got for me the pitch is it's a side quote of 
everything that is going on in that house mm -hmm. that you don't see. Because Chris is living in that house. Yes. Which means she is hearing things. She is, you know, experiencing oh, things. Yeah. And we never see that. When we see Chris, mm. she's communicating to somebody else, I need help. But there have to be quiet moments. There are moments where Chris has to sleep. There are moments where Chris has to take a shower. There are moments where she has to be alone and she has to have that weight on her. Yeah. Um, and, and, but to your point, I, so I like that, uh, the idea that what is behind that door and the yeah. constant push and pull of that is my daughter. That is the most important thing in my life. Mm -hmm. I would die for the person that is in that room. Yeah. But if I walk in that room, there is something going on in there that I cannot, there's nothing I can do to help her. And right. so, so to me that, so that's my pitch. Warren brothers, if you're listening. No, I love that. I, I love the term side quest well too so, yeah yeah you're very good at coming up with those terms <laughs> I, d I wish i could take credit yeah, that's for that. great there's there's nyquil also and dayquil but uh but but so um the spider walk sequence it is shocking and also it comes right after doesn't it i think i noticed it this time i feel like it comes right after she finds out about burke and so it's like, it's a fun, fun is the wrong word, but you know, it's a weird, it's a yeah. good timing in a yes. way. Cause it's like, she just gets this crushing, horrible human news and entertains the idea of, and my daughter might've done this. Sure. Oh God. And then here comes this thing mm. that just crashes the party. Um, but you make a good argument too, that keeping her, once she... Uh, Chris has the dinner party and she comes down and has this says you're all gonna die or you're gonna die up there and and uh, urinates on the floor. That's early in the process. Exa that's what I was gonna say. Like right. it clearly hasn't taken hold of right. her completely yet. yet. Yeah. So I think it it fits within the mythology. Um, yeah. yeah. No, but that's a that's a that's a great uh, that would be a great idea. I think because I think I think uh, it's so heartbreaking to think about what she's going through. I. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not a parent, but I, I can't even imagine I want to stay in that house. You know what I noticed? As a parent. Right. That's right. It's yeah. Terrifying. How do you stay? Because you're not you're technically not really with your daughter at this point anymore. You're really yeah. you're bunking with Pazuzu. Right. Yeah. You know? Uh, it's not exactly a fun idea. One thing I noticed this time around too is that Chris and her husband are still married. Yes. So they're separated and she, you know, gets the late night phone call that she's got, a, they're changing the pages for the next day on the shoot and she answers the phone. She's got her wedding ring on, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and so that's another part where you're just like exploring the idea of. I am so in this alone. Yes. And yes. and I want not only do I want my partner here because I love him and mm. I miss him, but now I'm going through this thing with our child yeah. that that I am that he's not here for either. Yeah. She's a really fascinating character. All of them. Yeah. Oh, all, all of, of them. Course. That's and that's the th that's what makes this a great movie, you know, yes. because I mean, I think these days, sadly, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find one great character. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Um, and, and you know, you've got, you've got, what, five, six of them, yeah. you know, who are all part of the main cast, and they're all, uh, they're all great, and they're all so well-developed, and, and, uh, and you can really feel for their struggle. Yeah. I mean, even Marin, who doesn't really show up that much, um, I mean, you know, the prologue is almost, it's, it's almost pure cinema yeah uh, you know you you get to understand sort of his struggle you know from uh, a very sort of visual and oral uh yeah as in sound yes. kind of perspective but not dialogue there's very 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 little dialogue yeah you know um yeah. there my one of my favorite lines that uh that Marin has is um Kara says to him you want the background on the case first and Marin says why Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's just such a I feel like that tells you a lot it does uh in just one word yeah why why do why do I yeah know? I mean just like <laughs> it's just so just like in the prologue you know at, at one point he says you know there's something I, I need to do you know he just and that's that that's all you need to to know you know uh it's very uh, he's a man of few words yes 
in a few words, but a very powerful character, yeah. To answer your question, though, about Karis and how I read the, um, the him sacrificing himself, I did always read it the way you described, right? Okay. But what I will say is, and the reason I brought up the, um, the version you never saw is because I actually don't know. You see Karis's face mm-hmm. change. Yes. Um, and, and, and the movie is very clear about showing you Karis's face change and then change back. And uh, when I rewatched the film, I mean, paying very close attention, the demon does come into him because the face changes, mm-hmm. but then it changes back. It changes back to just regular Karis face. Well, because, and that's, that's the thing, there's that sort of expression of almost sort of, it's beyond pain. It's like he's sort of re-summoning himself. Uh, mm. I think. That's my reading. Yeah. That's my reading. Yeah. But I feel like he's he's got the demon inside and now he needs to sort of find the strength to just come back enough to the surface to be lucid enough to, to throw himself yeah. out, out the window and, and destroy the demon. Yeah. Uh, because otherwise, if he's taken over by Pazuzu, then, you know. It's and, and it's on him. it goes. And, it's, yeah. and on it goes, exactly. So... So, uh, but, you know, then there's the whole idea of suicide in the Catholic Church. That's right. a whole other, but, you know. Is it suicide or self-sacrifice? Well, that's, right. see, I see it as a self-sacrifice. I agree. I do, too. Um, and I think that's what makes it, makes it great. It's the ultimate sort of selfless yeah. act, you know. And Dyer comes and gives him his last rites. Um, right. Which is, which is a scene that I really appreciated more this time around because what you see is the hand do this he can't speak he can't move he's like right. barely there but Dyer asks him the whatever the question is mm. you see the hand do that mm. and then he continues and then he says anything else or whatever the yeah. last rites are I'm yeah. not being disrespectful I just don't know sure. what they are but then and then the, the but the second question you see the hand go and then it's like that's that's it. And that's another you know, another one of those scenes that he had to do multiple takes and then famously slapped Dyer across the face to get the performance that he wanted. Really? I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, now see he um and you know, he's a, an actual priest. You I know. didn't know that either. Yeah, Father O'Malley. And uh, oh. he um you know, he just couldn't he you know, he just couldn't get to that sort of level of performance and so Billy Friedkin took him aside and says, um, you know, it said, uh, Father, you know, do you love me? And he said, yes. He said, good. Well, I love you too. And then he slapped him hard across oh. the face and rolled camera. Oof. And so when you see Dyer sort of this trembling yeah. hand, uh, that's real. He, he, he had just been <laughs> slapped across the face by William Friedkin. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's intense. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's ugh, intense. That's yeah, that is really, really <laughs> intense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So as with everyone, everyone gets to pick a movie that is not on the list. Okay. That they would add to the list. Do you have, can it be something that just came out? Sure. Why not? I mean, oh my God, Isle of Dogs. Oh, okay. Oh, I, look, I've, I've loved Wes Anderson for, you know, for a long time. Uh-huh. And um, obviously he's a completely unique mm-hmm. uh, filmmaker and storyteller, and he's made his share of great, great, great movies. Uh, my favorite, I think, Wes Anderson is still, or was still, Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Even though I will say that probably his greatest film is Grand Budapest, mm. uh, I think in 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 terms of the mastery of what he does, mm-hmm. his command of of every aspect of the filmmaking craft is is at the highest level in Grand Budapest. I think he's just outdone himself really? with Isle of Dogs. It's I have no words. I walked out with the biggest smile on my face, thinking I cannot believe. In, in a good way, yeah. that Hollywood is actually making movies like this. Mm. Uh, it is so intricate on every level. Um, I, I really have no words, except that I, this is a movie that I want to watch over and over and over and over again and, and learn from because it's, 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 it's perfect. Mm. It's a perfect, wonderful, extraordinary film that he's made. Uh-huh. So, my gosh, that film, it, you, you will never see an animated film like this. Hmm. I mean, not even Fantastic Mr. Fox, mm-hmm. I think, comes close to what he's accomplished with Isle of Dogs. And, and the, the, the sort of the references to, you know, Japanese cinema and 
Oh my, oh my God. Wow. So, wow. Yes. I, I haven't seen it yet. So oh. I need to. Do it, do it, do it. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I want to watch it again, like, like right away. It's so good. It's, no, it's a great movie. It's a really great, great film. That's cool. You yeah. know, I had that experience. Uh, I just saw A Quiet Place, John Krasinski's mm-hmm. movie. Um, and, uh, it is, I felt that, I felt the, the, um, I was in awe when I walked out of that movie because it is so, it's one of those movies that makes you angry that you didn't come up with it or may, or weren't able to make it, but also makes you so happy and excited because you're like, fuck, that was like, they, they just that's great. knocked it out of the park. Okay, so that's um, good to know because I, you know, just looking at the trailer, it feels like, oh, okay, there's another, you know, boo scare kind of movie. But okay, it sounds like that's not the case. So that's good. I mean, everyone has their own opinions about things, but okay. I just, uh, it, it is so, it so works from a story level. It works from a technical level because mm. the movie is mostly silent. There's very little dialogue. Oh, um, I like that already. Yeah, and from a um, from a tension scares level, yeah. it's so well crafted. Mm. It is crafted like John Krasinski. Uh, you know, it's funny. You look at the um, you look at the screenwriting credits, and these two guys wrote it, and then it looks like Krasinski probably came in and, and took a pass at it, or did, did a pass on it himself, because he's credited last, you know, and John mm-hmm. Krasinski mm-hmm. on the screenwriting. And um, and I, 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 it has to be, and I don't know, but I, my guess is the two guys that wrote it are horror guys, and they wrote a scary movie. And then right. Krasinski came in, pro- this is, again, guess, yeah, I don't sure, know, sure. and uh, really bumped up the family stuff and mm. the emotional storytelling part. And um, what what you get is this it's it's a it's a perfect 90 minute roller coaster that mm. is well acted, well executed. And it's a movie I also just walked out of and was like, I want to watch that again right now. Okay, well, I'm going to... I loved it. I'm going to take my movie pass. Yes! Get your movie pass and go. And I'm going to go. Yes. Uh, but And I, I similarly need to see Isle of Dogs, you know, because there's a oh. lot of... Uh, I, I've heard that it is... Um, from people who've seen it, I've heard that it is emotionally lovely. Um, but I've, there's also a lot of um, discussion about about the Japanese culture and, and those influences. So I am very curious to see how it all kind of comes together. Oh. And, and you know it's it's I it's one of those movies also because it 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 goes at a certain pace mm-hmm. and I feel like every shot I want to get a screen grab because he packs so much into the mm. frame not just compositionally speaking but he adds little details mm-hmm. it's 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 this super 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 intricate piece of work that you 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 miss so much. Even though you're, you're, you know, I got so much out of the first, sure. you know, the first watch. But I, 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 I knew as I was watching it that I was missing so much because you can't, you can't process all of that stuff and all the, uh, and all the nuances and the ref- references and all of that stuff. So, um, no, it's, uh, it, I'm so happy to see movies like this. Yeah. It's, it, it makes me cheer for Wes. And it's and it makes me happy to see that he still has that same enthusiasm that he has not lost the passion right. by far not obviously he he has more tools now mm-hmm. in his toolbox and he uses them in a way to keep telling the same story over and over, and over. but that's true of I think every great artist sure. you can't you know I think Fellini actually said it he said yeah I keep making the same movie over <laughs> and over and over again yeah that's true of all of them yeah. in, in a way. Um, but he refines it, and I think he has found a new sort of way to tell that story. Mm. Um, it's 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 heartening, very heartening. Well, all right, I've got I've got a project now, special <laughs> movie project. I'm gonna take my Me movie too. pass and go see Isle of Dogs. <laughs> you take your movie pass, yep. and go see a quiet place. Sounds like a plan. Well, we could clearly keep going, but. 
I have to let you go on with your day, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. But thank you for doing this. Thank you so much. Previewing you know. this mystery project that we all are so excited <laughs> to hear more about. Well, I'll, I'll tell you more about it when I when I can. But uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully it'll come out late next year. That's, okay. Uh, that's perhaps the plan. Okay. All right. Deal. So. Well, well, uh, and and we'll uh, one of these days when you're bored and have nothing to do, which is. You know, <laughs> clearly something that's on the uh, on the calendar. We'll do a a, a a deep dive into Vertigo. Oh my God! Yes, <laughs> anytime, anytime. All right, buddy. Thank you. All right, bye. friends that's gonna do it for us today i hope you enjoyed that episode um and that conversation as much as i enjoyed having it it was a real treat and alexander is a busy man but he is a good friend and um i am i'm thrilled that he made the time to come on the show and talk to me about the exorcist um and gosh i can't wait for this project whatever he has going on i can't wait to hear what it is and what it's called and what it's going to be and when it's going to come out and i'm just as curious and excited as you are but hopefully you know once it's official and once it is put together and comes together in whatever form it will take uh he can come on and give his second opinion on vertigo um and uh stay tuned for more from alexander on the patreon exclusive episode coming this thursday if you are um, if you are interested, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Clark Wolf. There are different levels of support for the $5 monthly contributors. There um, are there are many episodes that are exclusive just for you guys. And um, Thursday's episode will not disappoint. And if you are not a Patreon person, totally fine. If you wouldn't mind, please, on your podcast app of choice, subscribe to the show. Please rate and review the show. Um, that absolutely helps um, in in many 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 ways and um yeah thank you guys so much for listening i will see you on thursday until then take care